text and email sometimes is misconstrued. It's like a version of hieroglyphics and we're trying to interpret tone and body language and maybe there's a past, present or future association with what's communicated. And it's so fascinating that, you know, as an athlete, you have it almost like defaulted as unconscious competence within your application of action. But then as a coach, to be able to digest that and communicate it in a term that others will understand based on their story and their history is, is such a, it's like a, you've unlocked a new level. <laughs> I mean, it, it's funny that you bring that up. Like text and emails, it's like, I, I try to exclusively, exclusively use those to pass along information, you know, facts, statements, whatever it is. But the one thing I've gotten a lot more comfortable with is having very uncomfortable conversations. And I make sure that I have those either, you know, at very minimum of phone call. I prefer like FaceTime. I even prefer more in person. Um, and, and it's like, how do you even initiate a shitty conversation, especially with a friend? And, you know, O'Keefe and I, all the time, we have conversations that are tough and, um, or they're built up thinking that they're going to be a tough conversation. And as soon as you have it, you're like, Oh, why did I wait three days to have that conversation? Why did I ruin three nights sleep tossing and turning on this? And, and, you know, very easily with O'Keefe, it's just like, I'll call him and be like, Hey man, like, do you have time? And he's like, yeah, I'm free. I'm like, all right, I need to have a tough conversation. And he's like, lay it on me. You're like, there's, there's nothing that we can't work through. Um, because yeah, if you just send a text with like a tough thing that you need to talk about, certain tones are going to get associated with it. And rarely do they line up with what, what the tone is intended to be. Um, but just having those tough conversations and it's okay to have shitty conversations. It's okay to have a disagreement and having the conversation doesn't even mean that you're going to see eye to eye at the end of it. But you know, I like to make sure I'm like, if I would rather someone dislike me for who I am and what I'm doing, than someone like me for me lying to them, you know, or, you know, have me just give them lip service and tell them what they want to hear and then walk away and be like, well, that didn't accomplish anything. You know, I just lied to the person to make them happy. And it's like, well, that's short lived, you know, that, that rooster is going to come home to roost. I love how straightforward you are too, around the concept of just creating a safe space around, Hey, I need to have an uncomfortable conversation with you. And, you know, you're not beating around the bush. You're not being passive aggressive. You're being very straightforward. And, you know, being in San Diego, we, we cross paths a lot with the Navy SEAL community, which I know you've spent time with, with those guys, Evan Hafer and those guys with some cool, cool adventures. And, um, you know, they all, they say often the most successful people are comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. And it's an art that, you know, people want to, to avoid those realms. I mean, you've seen the book circling the comfort crisis, you know, and like CrossFit and, and a lot of your life has been associating yourself with discomfort and learning to, to be okay with it and practice the art of enduring. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, it comes with practice. You know, you have, you start, you know, usually your first uncomfortable conversation is somebody like, you know, your significant other or your parents and, and it, it's easy to start there because you you know that like there's a sense of security of even if this conversation goes poorly, you know, I'm still going to love them. They're still going to love me. 
we just may have a little bit of a tiff, you know? Um, and then that starts stemming into, all right, now let's have this conversation with a friend. Let's have this conversation with a stranger, you know? And I've had plenty of them. And 99% of the time you walk away and you're like, why did I build that up so much in my head? Like you just explain yourself and you're like, Hey, my intentions were good. I'm sorry if you, you know, perceived it this way, but these, this was my intention. And I'll, I'll make sure to not make that mistake again, or I'll make sure to explain myself better next time or whatever it is. And, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things like, uh, here, like don't punch, don't punch your buddy in the nose, um, over a misunderstanding. And it's like, yeah, you know, things can happen. And it's like, uh, I'm trying to think how to explain this, but like, yeah, the, the same action. But like, if you, somebody cuts you off in traffic and it can be, yeah, they're a total dickhead or, oh, they didn't see the traffic cones and that traffic was merging into one lane. And they're two, they're the exact same end result, but it's two totally different situations of like, if that person flips you off or if that person gives you a wave, like, oh, sorry, didn't realize the lane was ending, you know? And it's the art of, of perspective and really having empathy and compassion to know that, hey, if, if there's a reaction, maybe it's not you. Maybe it's something else that happened. Maybe they're in a hurry. Maybe they truly authentically didn't see it. And you were specific to your habits. And you were like, you know what? I hated that 2015 medal, but I was very happy that I had that to reflect on because had I won, I would have thought that all those bad habits and corner cutting and doing the wrong things with my diet, nutrition, and sleep and recovery were okay. And it probably wouldn't have led to, to this amazing career that you did ultimately end up having. Will you reflect on that a little bit and how that m pivotal moment in time really helped motivate and inspire the rest of your CrossFit career? Absolutely. You know, so after the 2015, 2014 games, you know, so 2014 medal, I was doing backflips. I was like, this is phenomenal. I went into the competition with no expectations. I didn't know what I was doing. I made some wild mistakes that even in the moment I was like, Oh, Oh, that was a fuck up. But <laughs> I had no, I had no experience. So why would I expect to be able to do everything correctly the first time? No, absolutely not. I'm going to make mistakes. And so I was doing backflips over that medal. You know, I wore, I was so proud of it. And then 2015 season, exact same results, second place again. And, and I went into a dark, dark place of like, you know, I, I didn't know if I wanted to do it again. I didn't know if I wanted to keep competing because it became a very real possibility to me that I can finish my career without ever standing on top of the podium. And that's a big, big hit to the pride, to the ego. And, uh, you know, and I'm like, I, I don't feel like I'm being rewarded for an entire year's work to finish there. And, and then, so I probably took three or four months off after the 2015 games where I didn't go to the gym. I didn't know if I wanted to sign up again. And, and it really made me sit down just with a pen and paper and a spiral notebook, like, and jot down, why am I so upset about this? Because 2014, 2015 to somebody looking from the outside, they're identical. I got the exact same results, but the the emotions tied to either one are polar opposites. And, and I came to a couple conclusions. You know, I always just, I act like a three-year-old to myself and I'll make a statement and I go, why? And then I'll dig deeper. Why? You know, like, why was I set up upset about the 2015 season? Oh, I didn't get the results. I didn't want. Well, why? Well, I didn't do everything right outside of the gym. Why? And it, 
And it was almost like a defense mechanism. You know, I prided myself that I was as good as I was while carrying these bad habits because I got a kick out of it when, when I would train with Katrin and her nutrition styled in, her mobility styled in, her sleep is dialed in, her training styled in. And then I took, you know, I thought it was the sense of pride that like if I beat her in a workout and then I immediately started eating a pint of Ben and Jerry's or I beat her in a workout and then I stayed up until two in the morning watching Netflix, you know, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm not even trying. I'm still beating you. Well, then the, the one year she, she won and I didn't. And, uh, and I was like, oh shit. All right. Well, I need to stop protecting my ego and giving myself this excuse or this out of, oh, you know, you got me that workout, but hell, I stayed up until two in the morning last night. My diet is still, I still eat Chinese food every day. You know, like I still, I was giving myself these excuses to protect my pride and ego. But then I realized that the 2015 medal, it was so upsetting to me because it didn't reflect my potential. Um, I knew that whole season was cut corners of no, doing no mobility work. My sleep was shit. My diet was all, everything that could be bad was bad. Um, and so I just went, all right, I need to stick my neck out, make myself vulnerable, do everything as perfectly as I can. But then there's still a possibility that I'm not going to get the results I want. And I need to be okay with that. I, and so I decided like, nope, if I take one year, which in the grand scheme of things is, you know, a blip, you know, it's such a small part of your life. It wasn't even a full year. It was one season. So, you know, more like eight months, I'm going I'm to do eight months where I do every single thing perfectly. And, and if I still don't win, I'm going to be fine with it because there wasn't a single other thing I could do. Whereas in the 2015 season, I look back, I'm like, what was the straw that broke the camel's back? What was the final fork in the road that winning was no longer an option? You know, like in the last month of the games, if I went to bed at the proper time, would that been enough to allow me to win? Or if my diet, if I, what, what ice cream cone was the final fork in the road that stopped me from winning? And, and I just went, I'm not going to have any what ifs. I'm going to dedicate myself to this. And it's not, I'm, I'm going to finish the season, either go, all right. It either I got the results I wanted or I didn't, but there's not going to be a single what if. Trident Coffee is sponsoring this episode of the Invictus Mindset Podcast. My guys over at Trident taught me something really important this last year, that we are all a bundle of stories, both good and bad and everything in between. At Trident, they're storytellers. All of their cold brews remind their customers that, that they are part of something bigger than themselves. They help create connections through symbology and storytelling that engage their customers on an emotional level, and this distinguishes them from other coffee brands. You can find Trident in Imperial Beach and in Coronado. They offer over 14 plus nitro cold brews along with dairy-free options. You can find the perfect brew and pair it with one of their treats from their keto bakery. All these options will allow you to support your health and fitness journey with Trident Coffee. They're more than just a coffee company. You can check them out over at tridentcoffee.com and use code INVICTUS20 for 20% off online and in tap rooms. Once again, that's tridentcoffee.com. Use code INVICTUS20 for 20% off online and in tap rooms. Take your coffee experience to the next level. Two important factors 
for us over at Invictus Mindset are true care and attention to detail. My friends over at RX Markier have been bringing innovative fitness tools to the market since 2009. From their award-winning Evo speed ropes to their amazing gymnastics grips to their line of inflatable fitness equipment, they're constantly looking to problem solve within the fitness industry. They're always allowing us to have our gear work for us rather than against us. Hop on over to RX Markier and use discount code Invictus Mindset to shop their latest cutting edge gear. Have your gear work with you and not against you. It's such a great point because uh, yeah. being a gymnast, you're used to being pretty stacked. Yeah. And what's interesting about the wall facing is you almost have to like press your hips against the wall and arch a little bit. So you're yeah. using a little bit more pec minor to press through. So it's literally like yeah. an incline bench press. Exactly. And so being an athlete, I was like, what the, and I'm not like, just like a brute. Like, I feel like a lot of the girls that did well with it, they're just like brute athletes who have like, you know, that insane ton of like, strength. chest you know, chest muscles and chest strength. And so for me, I was like, why can't I figure this out? Like, this is so frustrating as an athlete, because again, it wasn't really rewarding good movement. And so I was like, I, I could do this with perfect movement, but it's not the way to do it. And so that was a little frustrating, especially to be put on, put on my hands. And I was like, Oh, I love, like, we thought I would be good at it. I was like, I'm going to be so good at these. And then like, we go in the warm area and I fail the first one. And I was like, I am not going to be good at these. So. It's such a humbling experience, but now it, it's something <laughs> yeah. that you can add into your training. And I'm sure this time yeah. next year, you know, you're going to have that tool in your toolbox for sure. Oh, yeah. What did you think about the uh, traversing on the parallel bars and, you know, playing around with some stationary dips? We've seen ring dips before, but haven't really seen that. What was that experience like doing something a little bit different? I know Boz talked about like everybody's great on their hands. Right. And so being able to see the traversing in that regard was, it was kind of innovative and cool in my opinion. Yeah. I actually, I really enjoyed that one. I enjoyed that event. Um, you know, like being, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, you were a gymnast. Like you'll be good at this. And I'm like, actually we didn't have that event, but, um, we did like, you know, as gymnasts, we would like, they would be in our little waiting area and we'd play on them. So I kind of like knew a little bit how they would feel. Um, but I was excited again, cause I, I feel like it was one of those workouts where it's like, you just had to, had to adapt and be an athlete and figure it out. And which is what I think I, I did really well. And I ended up placing pretty good in that event. So I liked it, but only probably cause I did well. That's super cool. I'm great friends with, uh, the founder of RX Markier and I had him on maybe three or four weeks before the games. And we talked about skill progression of like single unders, double unders, potentially triple unders. And then we talked about the double under cross. And I said on the episode, athletes, you've heard it here first. The double under cross could be coming. Oh and I didn't think gosh. it would be in this games. And then all of a sudden it was. What were your thoughts on that one? Obviously, everybody saw like the meme that went viral. What, what was that experience like for you kind of attacking those things? So it's funny, like I want to say maybe around then. Cooper texted me and Dallin and was like, Hey guys, he sent a video of Laura. I think RX smart gear posted a video of Laura doing the crossovers like super well. And he was like, Hey guys, you need to start practicing these. And then like, we were like, okay, yeah, we do whatever. And then 
that video was taken down. Like, I think Laura like had them take it down because she was like so good at them. But, uh, but, uh, you know, we, and then when I like got to Naples, Dallin had the rope and I like was supposed, they were supposed to send me a rope, but I just like was like moving everywhere. So it didn't get to me. And I was trying to practice with Dallin's and it was so hard. We were like, I was like, I can't do these. Like, what the heck? And then when they came out, I was like, I was like, Matt, I was like, I, I've tried these. I can't do them. And he's like, we'll figure it out. Like, he's so calm. He's like, don't worry. He's like one thing at a time. Right. Like, can you do single unders? But that's, that was something that like really impressed me with Matt during the games was how he like took me through this progression of like single unders, double unders, and like taught me the crossover, which I'm sure he knew just as much about the freaking crossover double under as me. You know, he, he just looked at YouTube videos and like figured it out. And then like, was able to coach me in a way where I, I like did it in the warm up, and I was like, I was like, we just did it. I was like, we just got one. And so, yeah, it, it was really cool. It was another one of those things where you kind of just had to like be an athlete, but also like, I think I had a really good coach, like to help me get that because I don't think it I would sounds like that figured calm demeanor really serves you really well, especially <laughs> on game day. Oh yeah. When somebody's calm around you, it's hard not to be calm. Just like when you're arguing with somebody, like if they're arguing back and and matching your energy, like no wonder it's going to get even crazier. You know, I've like I've learned that a lot, even through relationships, like don't match, don't match like bad energy with bad energy because you're just going to get more bad energy. Like and that's how it goes with coaching and athletes, too. Sounds like you found some good energy out there in Naples and. You know, Matt's navigated a lot this year too. You know, when I spoke to him, it was maybe maybe like two or three weeks after you had joined and it, it may have been like a week and a half since the, the announcement of Phil Toon's, you know, PED positive test, which I'm sure was, was heavy on him and the whole crew out there. What was it like arriving at a little bit of a controversial time and how did, how did Matt Torres, you know, stay so calm through it all? That's a good question. I, yeah, so much respect for him because I remember like when I did want to come down, I think him and Cooper were more in um, conversation about it. But I do remember calling him because like, you know, there was so much drama around the underdogs and me leaving situation, much more than there needed to be. And I remember calling him and I was like, hey, like, I hope you feel no obligation to like take me in because you know, unfortunately with like the training camp thing and social media, there is this new added layer of drama and social media and what it does to people's image. Right. And so I was like, well, I don't want to like bring my drama onto like this Naples camp, you know, and make Dallin feel any type of way through social media because of the shit he might get for me coming. You know what I mean? Like I just, I was like very aware of that. And so I just wanted to make sure. And I was like, and I, I never thought that he would be the kind of guy to like, just take me on. Cause he felt like he had to, but we had that conversation and, you know, I think there was like a respect there. And he was, he was like, you know, I just like want to coach you as an athlete, like clean slate. Like I don't, I don't necessarily care what happened over there. I just want to coach you and I'm willing to help you. And I don't know. He's just, yeah, he, he was very calm and even, he just has a very like logical approach and like can see both sides and 
I don't know. I don't know how he stays so calm, honestly. It's but. impressive. I mean, he's got a great <laughs> head on his shoulders. It was fun, you know, picking his brain a little bit. Something that stands out, and I forgot, forgot who said this. I'm stealing it from somebody way smarter than me. But it's it's the phrasing API assume positive intent, and it's like in in my humble opinion, everybody's a ten out of ten when you first meet them. I don't want to take their baggage into consideration. I'll let that go. You get the clean slate as as he described to you, and it's like all right, like yeah. this is a new chapter. We've turned that page. Let's try to make the best of where we are now in that present moment. And, you know, I can't help but throw out, I say this on like every episode, but like be where your feet are. Yeah. My feet aren't over there anymore. They're here now. And let's let's have the appropriate conversations where you can thrive. Dallin can thrive. James Sprague can thrive. Emma Carey can thrive. Fee Sagafi can thrive. Phil Toon can thrive. And Matt Torres and the Brute Crew can, can thrive. And yeah, the drama in CrossFit is, is, is always looming, you know, between all, I, I feel like everybody, you know, has a podcast now and everybody's putting out like, what buttons can I press so that this gets a headline? Because attention seems to be the name of the game. But I don't know. I, I prefer the on authentic and um, the real raw conversations that you know. Fortunately, we're, we're able to kind of have in in this platform, which is which is super rad. And you know, you've described having a ton of fun in Naples. It's being the right fit. We briefly discussed some program design. What's it been like training with Dallin and James Brake? Oh my gosh! So I've mainly gotten to train with Dallin. So I okay. haven't really got to train with James at all. Um, but oh my gosh, training with Dallin is, it's so fun. And I feel like it's what I've been wanting for so long. And Dallin's just like, he's just young. And so it's, it's kind of cool to be like this, um, this like older, older athlete around him and hopefully have some like, hopefully push him in his training. And I don't know, we just like, we mesh super well, fitness wise and personality wise. I think he also brings like this level of calmness and seriousness that like, you know, like not to say that I'm not focused and I'm like, you know, not, not always there, but like, he like kind of brings me down and like mellows it out too, which is really mm -hmm. cool. You know? So it's like him and It's Taurus. a good yin to the yang. Yeah, it really is, you know? But then like, I do have like feistiness sometimes that like, you know, maybe like fires him up and like gets him going, which is cool. You know, like we, we have like this competitiveness, which I think is like, it's cool because I think the longer we'll train together, like the more and more we'll feel that. And like, it's really cool. It's, it's fun to feel, to feel that competitiveness again in the gym, but not in like, in a toxic way. Mm -hmm. He crossed paths with, with me briefly. I think he was here for I don't know, a few days on a weekend or something. And I got to see him briefly and he definitely is a little bit of an old soul. He, he's never, he never gets too high. He never gets too low. He's just kind of even keel, gets after it, does what he needs to do. But with that being said, who gets to choose the music in your training sessions? Like, what does that look like? <laughs> actually, it's pretty well balanced. Like, okay. But actually, who knows? Because I remember... Like, I was like, they're probably only letting me choose the music now because I'm new and like they're being nice. So we'll really see when I go back and uh, see who really gets to choose all the time. But it's a pretty good blend. Um, Dallin also likes country, but I think I don't think he gets like too hyped to it, but he put up with it for a little bit. So is that your go to country music for Metcons, too, or just the lifting? Oh, and yeah. Skill work. Usually go to is like um, 
yeah, country. And now blends of like, I don't know, I feel like chill alternative. Um, if it's rap, it's more like Mac Miller style. But like nothing like, I don't know, nothing crazy. I, pretty chill. I like a chill. We have so many personalities out here. So it's like. We almost had, I I remember back in the day, like we used to have to sign, okay, today's your day. Today's your day. And like, it was like a different flavor every day. And I was like, I don't want to play anymore. Like just, just make sure something's (laughs) playing. This is too too much stress. For sure. (laughs) What is, what is your go-to? You know, like I have that basketball background. So when I'm lifting, it's like something like a 50 cent or or something. You know, the the crew really likes like Drake and that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm not huge into that. Yeah. And then honestly, when it comes to a Metcon, I don't really care that much. I would prefer a little bit more of like a mellow, like a Kygo type thing. Yeah. Because some of the other stuff makes my heart race, man. Yeah. I'm like, my heart is already going to explode during this open workout. Like, I don't need this, you know, really aggressive music right now. (laughs) Yeah, like uh, Migos, I... I hate doing that concert them because it's just like <laughs> this repetitive, like high the whole time. And I'm like, okay, like I'm, d- my brain is like done. I like, this is too much, but I totally, totally get that. Like the mellow. Uh, Miko Salo. He's one of those OG CrossFitters, you know, rogue athlete. Uh, I think he was a CrossFit champion back in the day as well. I think so. Yeah. He has this famous line. Like if you need music to work out, you need to find a new hobby. <laughs> and I can't help but like think of Matt Frazier there just because like when I got, had Matt on the podcast, I'm like, oh, he's freaking awesome. Like I, yeah. he and I got to storytell and have some amazing conversations. But my perception originally was like him in the basement doing his rowing intervals like by himself. <laughs> like when you went up to HWPO, like what was the ambiance and the vibe kind of like in their gym there in, in Vermont? You know, it's funny. I like totally can't even remember music. Oh, you know what? We played country for one of the Metcons. Oh, very cool. Yeah. That's probably because Jake Marconi was there. Um, <laughs> it was actually, I think it was Jason. Oh, nice. He, he wanted it, I think. I can't remember if they asked me or if it was Jason who put it on. He was on a big Luke Combs kick and I was oh, down. Nice. It was good. I feel like we all knew why we were there and we were just like there to get some really good training and you know, be, try to get a little more fit. It, it was cool. And we would, you know, I think we would be a little more serious before the workout, but then like after we were able to kind of like relax and, you know, laugh and joke. And it was a really good blend of people that like, I don't know, maybe necessarily outside looking in, you would be like, Ooh, are they like all going to get along? Um, <laughs> but I think we all did really well. And so it was really cool. And I like, I love Mel. Um, even after it's funny, my mom was like, Oh, it was so like nice to see you after the events, like talking to Mal. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. But yeah, I think Mal is like, she's a, she's a young girl, but she's like so mature. It's insane. Totally. It's so interesting how, um, you know, people want to put like different CrossFit games athletes against each other. This episode is brought to you by HVMN health via modern nutrition. They launched the world's first ketone drink in 2017, and then in 2022 launched the version two of their exogenous ketone product line called Ketone IQ. I found that incorporating ketones into my morning routine increased my daily focus and energy. The beauty of this product is that you can stack it. It doesn't even have to replace your morning routine. My morning routine Looks like taking the dog on a walk, hitting my daily shot of Ketone IQ, hopping in the cold plunge, 
and then finishing it off with a nice Trident coffee while I soak up some morning sunlight. Try out some ketones for yourself by using the code INVICTUS for 20% off Ketone IQ. Ketones are a super efficient fuel for your brain that leaves you feeling energized and clear-headed. Give it a shot. I promise you won't regret it. Once again, use code INVICTUS for 20% off Ketone IQ. And, and it just kind of cracks me up a little bit because you used to see that a little bit, especially in like the NBA, like, you know, people not hanging out. And now you look at it and like a lot of the NBA players actually train together in the off season. And sometimes they take trips together, build cool memories together. And it's just interesting how the, the dynamic in sport has changed with regards to athlete relationships. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like there's a time and place for it. And that's not to say like I definitely there's some girls where I'm like, I I don't vibe with and that's fine. Like that's life. I, I don't vibe with everyone. I'm not everyone's cup of tea and that's fine. But I do like enjoy spending my time around some of the athletes. And I think some people would be surprised like, mm-hmm. you know, at who's friends and whatnot. So Yeah, totally. When you were at HWPO, you, you mentioned something, I think it was on the Brute Strength podcast where you talked about you know, it's not always about your fitness. Sometimes it's about gentle technicalities, being able to implement those in the midst of high intensity fitness. And you referenced like a D-ball move that you previously didn't have in your toolbox. How was, how was that kind of perspective opened your eyes a little bit around like, okay, I could, I can be one of the fittest women on the planet, but if I don't have this skill or understanding of the rhythm of technique, I'm still not going to end up on the podium, which is where I want to be. Yeah, that, that is like huge. And I think that's one thing that I've learned a lot from Torres and Dom. Who's Dom? He is, he's like the assistant coach. I don't really know what I would call his role, but um, okay. he had my coach's path, pass and he coached me a lot at the CrossFit Games as well. So Very it was cool. it was cool to have them both because one would like get us started on like a warm up, and, um, you know, and then he'd be in the back with me. So yeah, he's, just, he's another coach there. He's really good with like weightlifting, um, like amazing with weightlifting. I mean, immediately when I got there, fixed a couple things that I like didn't even know. I was like, how? How did you see that? The lenses that some of these coaches have is just, it's amazing how they can see certain things. And it's crazy. You know, even, even in the few times where, you know, I've been humbly in the warm up area and I hear coaches say certain things, I'm like, Man, that's really cool. Like we all yeah. can learn so much from each other. It's it's really rad to see. Oh, yeah. I mean, but with Torres, like I would I would not have placed as high as I did at the games this year if it wasn't for the brute team. Because oh, wow. yeah, like I'm super fit and I, and Torres says it too. He says it's not always the most fit person that wins, it's the person with the best strategy. You know, we talked about some of the workouts like the traverse one, the clean uh, parallel one. I think if you watch it, I kind of came from behind. Like I, even like listening when I was competing, I wasn't hearing my name. And I was like, I think I'm like creeping to the front. Like, I think I'm like, you know, top five, whatever. Um, But it came down to strategy. And like, we had a strategy and game plan that like paid off. And that was true for a lot of the other workouts, even the lunge ring handstand pushup one. I wasn't necessarily in the front, but it was being able to do that last lunge, um, almost unbroken. It slid out of my arms, but almost unbroken that caught me up a lot and, you know, stuff like that. Like 
that I've learned so much and Torres and Dom are so good at it. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing to watch them hear a workout and then like take their athlete and like come up with this plan. It's, it's like unreal. I didn't know like that level of coaching is out there and they're just so smart at what they do. That's really cool. Understanding time domains and being able to specifically kind of provide the appropriate recipe to the the given athlete is, is a very special tool to have in the toolbox. When you reflect on your game's experience, did you like competing at North Park better or inside the Coliseum better? Ooh, is North Park just the field? Is yeah. The field? Um, I feel like I really like being on North Park, which is weird. Yeah. Everybody loves the Coliseum, but I, I really enjoy being on North Park. I feel like it's just because we're like outside and I like it just feels so much larger other than it being really hot, but... Yeah, I was going to say, how did you handle the heat out there? Were you, Ugh. you know, obviously dry heat in Vegas, yeah, sweaty, humid heat in Florida. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like you were relatively prepared for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like for the most part, I was prepared. It's funny, like, I don't know, Madison, I don't know if it's like nerves, um, but I also have asthma. And I feel like my, like, lungs and breathing is always terrible in Madison. I don't know what, but... It's always like, it takes like the first day to like get back to like normal. But um, yeah, but the heat, the shuttle to overhead one, yeah, that one, I remember I was like, oh, I'll do really good at this one because I really enjoyed like those, um, the running lengths and like the shoulders to overhead, obviously. But I was so hot that like my legs just like were giving me nothing. So I was a little mm-hmm. sad that I couldn't, um, I didn't feel like I was running to like my full potential. Like I feel like I couldn't really do it because I was so hot, but then it was good because for the next workouts on North park, I was like, okay, like when I go out there, I need to like cool down and like douse myself in ice and water. And that helped so much because I I went out to that shuttle overhead, just feeling hot. Like I remember finishing and I was like, I was too hot going onto the field. And so it was a good, it was like, I'm glad I could like learn that then and like take that take that um away with me because for the next events i was like had a towel and you know for sure you had you you had the preparation which is something that i feel like people don't recognize sometimes they'll be like oh i saw daniel brandon's you know time on that workout i did it in the gym where i could use the restroom whenever i wanted to i could set up my bar on my sexy you know spot and you know i'm i'm in air an air conditioned gym like people sometimes forget some of the variables that get tossed into into competition it, it's it's really fascinating to me. But you then had another sh- kind of shuttle run-ish kind of workout where you guys sprinted out to perform wall balls. Oh, yeah. And then the dumbbell squat snatches. What'd you think about that workout? It was super fast, but then it was like interval style, which was kind of unique. I'd never really seen that in, at the games before. Yeah, I really liked it. And it was cool because I think we were all just like, well, at least we, this one won't really hurt. It just kind of comes down to like execution. I liked it. I almost wished because I am like a little taller. Um, so I was like, Ooh, okay. I do have to like think about moving a little quicker than like, you know, Mal. But, uh, I almost wish the wall ball was a little higher. Cause I, I don't think it was like high enough to really like make a huge difference, but I really liked that one. And it was cool because by the third round, I think girls got more tired. And I think that was like one of my best rounds. So oh, it nice. was just, it was just fun. It was fun to be an athlete and like, you know, make a little mistake, but then have a chance to correct it on the next one. It was just fun. Yeah, for sure. Fun. That's a good observation. 
The single yeah. arm dumbbell squat snatch is typically yeah. really hard for some of the taller athletes out there. Yeah. Do you have any mobility secrets that help optimize your movement <laughs> for something like that? I wish. Like, I mean, I just was, I think just being a gymnast, like my overhead mobility. I mean, I have some good stretches I could put out there, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it's just the shoulder and upper back mobility. It was cool to see. I mean, Guy from, from oh. Brazil, like he was so fast at those things. I had like a side panorama view I and I was know. like, dude, like you are super fast right now. It he was, moves, it was cool to watch. He moves so well. Yeah. He's a stud. And then, and it was cool to see his engagement right at the end of, uh, of the games with his girlfriend. That was cool. Oh my gosh. I forgot about that. I was like, what is going on? Yeah. That was crazy. I know. This episode is brought to you by Mush. My friends over at Mush created an incredibly cool product of ready-to-eat overnight oats. And for those of you that listen to the podcast often, you know simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And Mush has done just that, as their products have no more than seven clean ingredients that are dairy-free, gluten-free, with no added sugar. Mush started right here at Invictus, as they had a vision to create convenient, healthy, and clean nutrition. And this landed them on Shark Tank, where the famous Mark Cuban invested in them. Now they're found in retailers all over the country, including Costco, Sprouts, Target, and Whole Foods. Check out my friends over at www.eatmush.com. So, I totally agree. A lot of flus that my skills might pay off, but I think I, I get a little bit less of that at Rope. I got to just be ready to put my head in the dirt. Yeah, for sure. With Wadapalooza coming up, your sponsor, Tier, is title sponsor for Wadapalooza this year. And um, what are you looking forward to with Wadapalooza? And then I'd, I'd love to conclude our conversation today around peeking at the professionalization of sport and some of the, the money earnings that we're seeing athletes walk away with. I think everybody at the games this last year was able to get a little bit of prize money. It's, uh, it's cool to see athletes making a living doing, doing what they love. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so yeah, Wadapalooza this year, Tier is running it, which is cool. They were there a bit last year, uh, mm-hmm. getting the lay of the land. They kind of, I think they basically unofficially sponsored the swim event, uh, and we're kind of hooking people up with with goggles and and jammers and stuff for the swim. But yeah, they've gotten all in this year, and they've changed the format up a bit. So there's sort of only a two day elite competition, and then a two day team competition. Um, which is interesting because I think it kind of uh, it can be a lot of fun. I think there'll be some people who show up and do the Italy competition and then also do the team competition afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, or you know, on the flip side of that, if you only want to do one, you can show up and and take the first or second two days and service your sponsorships and your partnerships and hang out on site and enjoy the competition because that is sort of the downside in competition occasionally is we don't get to actually experience the competition. Um, like I've kind of joked for years that one day I'm going to go to the games as like, and, and see the vendor village or like go somewhere else other than the warm up area yeah. and like the corrals. Right. Cause it's just not like I had friends, a lot of friends come this year and my family's been there lots of years and I like hear about it and I've never actually like seen any of it other than, you know, we bike around the campsite this year or we've ran through there a few times. Like I, I get snippets of it, but I've never really been able to take in the full picture. So Wadapalooza is a, a lot like that. It's a big 
festival and it's I, I i guess it's a lot of fun from what i hear but i'm sort of like hidden in the back a lot of the time and uh when you're competing it's a little different because i know for me personally i'm generally trying to stay out of the heat for a lot of the days <laughs> if you know you're going to compete for four days in a row like not waste your energy in the heat try to Waterpalooza has got like loud music going all day long. Like you just try to remove yourself from some of those situations for a few hours of the day. So it can feel like you're hiding. And, uh, you know, if you have, if you're only doing say the elite competition this year, you can get two days to really enjoy it afterwards. Um, and yeah, if you want to like, <clears throat> I think we'll have the chance to see some people do two days of individual and then, come together as individual like the people who competed individual start to merge into different teams and then compete in the team division totally uh which will be a lot of fun to do as well so you might have to be able to see somebody win the individual and then win the team right afterwards as a group so i think it's fun it'll change the look of it a little bit but i think it's gonna be really cool and you'll see some some fun teams uh i think a team of three two-day competition is not really high drag so if people want to come and like enjoy Waterpalooza for a couple of days, hang out and, and do a couple appearances and then just show up with some buddies, it's not, it's not as detrimental to your training as say like planning to compete for a big individual competition, yeah, sure. like even rogue would be or whatever mm -hmm. you can come in on a little less prep or, or if you're planning to kind of prepare for the open and things, you don't need to, to change your, your training just mm -hmm. for that. Um, so it's fun and team competition is fun. Uh, you know, I, I always liked uh, doing the uh, imitational and things like that and being able to take advantage of your rival's strengths every now and then. Like the thing, the same things that annoy the shit out of me when I'm on the competition floor as an individual, I suddenly get to be like, hey, you know, this guy's on my team now. I like, it's not now, it's not so bad that he's so good at handstand pushups, right? It's like, good for me, right? I don't That's have to awesome. do any. But it, it, so it's fun. It's always like an interesting way to change it. And I've, I've like done very few, relatively few team competitions. Uh, so I don't know. I might get in there this year. Um, Any hints as to who would be on your team after the individual? I don't know. I don't know yet. We'll have to see. We'll have to see who's okay. available um, and who's not already uh, who hasn't already had dibs called on them. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Because I think it's just it's fun. It's fun to like be able to do. I, I don't have training partners, right? Like I don't train with people very often. So being able to kind of have fun and keep it light and do it with a group is actually uh really cool so i, I think that i don't get the opportunity to do it lots so i would yeah. appreciate it i would appreciate it yeah, more than for sure man so what are your thoughts on the professionalization of sport it, it's moving in the right direction there's there's monster energy that got introduced into the conversation last year noble taking over the title sponsor uh tier coming to play we've got rad you've got viori kind of in the conversation a little bit you've got LSKD. There's so many different brands that are in the conversation now, you know, along with supplements, you've got Thorn, you've got NG Nutra, who you just kind of jumped on board with. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts as to the direction of sport and, you know, a little bit more opportunity for athletes to serve support and make, make a little bit more of a living? Um, I think it's great. I think there's always every year things Again, it ebbs and flows a little bit. Like you get new brands that start to appear in the space, and some sort of slowly disappear as well. Um, so, you know, we're we're in general, I think, still developing positive momentum, uh, which is good. And I think for us, we just 
a big part as athletes, we've been trying to work with uh, the PFAA to sort of put the, the idea into the ear of CrossFit and, and, and various different solutions to some problems we've had of like what can make the experience a little bit better for athletes. Um, and, you know, that comes with some work on our end. Like if we want, if we want more money or whatever, if that's the, the one measure, you need more companies willing to invest in the space, which means you need more willingness to create visibility for said brands and you need solutions for all of those things in terms of activations, like whatever. So those are all conversations that need to be had, especially the biggest touch points are the, like the games, Rogue, Guadalupe, you know, Dubai, like some of the biggest visibility events and they all have rules, right? Like CrossFit games, we have to wear noble apparel. Okay, great. Well, what, what's, what, are we allowed to do our own thing with so we can represent other brands and bring other brands in? Cause you want to make sure if people are going to invest in the space, they're getting a return or else they're not, they're going to leave. Um, so we've been trying to talk with them a lot about where the, where that wiggle room is for various places and what makes more sense. And I think you see competitions trying to get creative. I think that's probably a big part of what uh, tier is doing with Wadapalooza this year with the, the two separate divisions trying to be like, Hey, can we, can we run, a shorter version of a, of an individual competition that's maybe a little less wear and tear on athletes. Is that going to bring more athletes in who are willing to be like, ah, I don't have to invest or like wreck two months of training to come do this if competition. I can kind of show up, do this, put some FaceTime in. Are you going to end up with a lot more athletes going to Wadapalooza this year as a result of that change? Maybe. And then is that higher visibility? Is it going to bring more brands in for the next year? Um, you know, we, had some trade-off this year where we were talking with CrossFit about trying to get the all of the individuals paid down all the way to 40th because in the past only the top half of the competition field got paid and it just leads to people going to the games and losing money to do it and and really like people could invest ten thousand dollars to go to the games and mm-hmm. just end up ten thousand dollars in the hole and that's you know it, it's hard it's hard to create like a a strong middle class of athletes. Like right now we have a really strong upper class of people who are, you know, the Tia's Justin's like brand, my, like myself who got people who have had a few years of really strong earnings. So we get invited to big competitions and we just continue to, to like run the table at the top there, but there's not a lot of opportunity to break in in some cases. And we want to make sure that there's more of that. And okay, well, if we want to encourage growth in some of the far countries that have to travel super far to get to the games, we have to make it financially viable for them to do so, or else they're going to say no. Like, mm-hmm. you can earn your invite and be like, that's not worth it. Um, and we've seen athletes do that in the past. So some of the addressing of things like that, it's like it's moving in the right direction. So we're starting to get in the right places. Uh, there's a few things like Noble this year did kickbacks to athletes for their jersey sales which is the first time we've ever seen that like that's really cool so it's interesting it's it's fun conversations to have and trying to be creative about how to continue to have growth um and growth means there's a lot of different ways you can grow right and and i know crossfit's priorities often is also around their course sales and around uh growth of affiliates and abroad and so how does what we're going to do at the games affect that? Can we find ways to sort of tie that stuff back in and and just create more viability? Like, so it's it's a very interesting conversation, and I think it, it requires a lot of creativity and teamwork. And sometimes we come with up with ideas, and we talk to CrossFit, and they say like, 
eh, like that doesn't work for them for xyz reasons and we're like oh shit we thought we really had something there and then you got to go back to the drawing board right so i think it's it's cool i think we're like we're trying to bring more brands in and get, get more people involved because you want the whole ecosystem to grow um i think the problem we've had over like a few years was that we sort of had this finite pot of funds for the games or for the competitions and it wasn't nothing was growing it was just getting distributed differently um and then you can kind of mm-hmm. run into this like very rich gets richer situation that uh sort of stops people from being able to break in as easily uh and so yeah i mean it's it's starting to trend the right direction we just need to keep it keep the legs going and uh keep chugging along but i don't know i i hope that it just continues to grow and get better and and get more lucrative for athletes and and I, this is coming from a guy who i i could be we're doing this full time and, and I would be fine, but I choose to also work and do other things as a personal choice. But this, some of the work we do with PFAA to try to like move this stuff forward and, and help advocate for like more, uh, more opportunities for athletes. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, it's not as much for me. It's like for the next generation of athletes, like, you know, I'll be gone in a few years and then like, probably it's going to be, similar to what it is now until I'm gone. And then maybe 10 years from now, it looks really different. But the idea is that we got to keep that, keep handing the baton off and keep making sure that we have people who are sort of trying to improve conditions for athletes. You know, this year at the games, we had way better conditions for coaches um, as a result of some of the the suggestions that we made. And, um, you know, I, I, we feel as athletes, like we are the closest to what's going on on the competition floor and behind the scenes. Um, it's basically, it's, it's us and CrossFit or us and the, and the competition organizers in a lot of times. And I think when you're organizing it, you know how you want things to run and they don't always do that. Uh, sometimes there's little things that are hiccups that you don't even really see, but we're, we're the ones who are up close and see it or feel it on the competition floor and stuff like that. So um, it's been cool in the last year for sure, a couple of years, how CrossFit's listened a lot more to some of that feedback and that to see some of the changes that they've put in in the last year has been cool. So, you know, we're going to continue to try to just provide feedback and 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 ideas where we can and where we think it's going to be beneficial to all parties. But yeah, the whole thing is just, we got to keep passing the baton and keep sort of slapping hands and pushing forward. And, uh, you know, eventually maybe it'll be, my, my, my dream is that in, 20 years or something like that when my kid is, or say 10 years, even when my kid's like 10 and there's photos of me on the internet, like doing some whatever he's like, Oh, what's this about? And I can tell him, Oh, well, let me tell you about back when CrossFit was young. Uh, and you know, I was like doing this thing and it was really cool. And now it's like this really big thing. And he goes, Whoa, you were part of that when it was really new. I'm like, yeah, that's right. And my fear is that in 10 years, the same photo still exists, but I have to say, oh, let mm-hmm. me tell you about the rise and fall of the CrossFit empire. <laughs> you know, we want to keep this thing positive and keep it rolling and keep it growing and, and really make sure that it turns into something cool or continues to be something cool that people can get excited about um, and, you know, and, and help to change people's lifestyles and things like that. But, uh, you know, it takes work. It takes work from everybody. And, and I think it'll it's be incredibly honorable of you, though. And 
I think it's really brave and courageous to continue planting seeds, watering them, tenderizing them, and then hoping that they sprout with, with collaborations with the various parties. But when you peek behind the curtain, you guys actually have some really awesome methodologies. And in your pursuit of seeking your, your peak expression and becoming the best version of yourselves and growing your business, I love this concept of, you know what, I'm going to spend time with some of the world's best in their arena. And yeah, we might scale a little bit, but the intensity and the stimulus is going to be relatively similar. So now we can go head to head and have this unique competition. And I, I just love the the art and the method in which you you guys do it. Where did that kind of come from? And how is how do you guys view it as kind of motivating and inspiring the world? Because it's it's really cool, especially to people like me. I mean, I think Heber initially kind of was saying that back in the early days, and then you know it got developed into a catchphrase, and then into like a a way of living our life when we were on the road doing these shows and stuff because it's probably pretty easy to get sucked into doing everything prescribed and feeling like you got to go with the the whole pack but mm-hmm. uh, as I've gotten older and as you know we've done a lot of these shows now and gotten to a lot of like precarious situations I'm always kind of like uh, I don't want to like do something that's above my <laughs> experience that is just going to leave me feeling not as good or not as healthy so I, I don't have any problem like scaling the weight back or the reps back or whatever it is just so that I can feel the stimulus that is probably prescribed and be able to walk away feeling like I, I did a good, uh, a, go- a good effort, but also that I'm checking my ego and not feeling like I'm, I'm doing more than I should, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. I remember being at a, Louis Simmons gym back in 2009, 2010. R.I.P. Louis. Yeah, R.I.P. The guy's a legend. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I remember him talking about strength and getting strong and what he did with his athletes when they would come in. And, um, you know, he talked a lot about working off of percentages of your one rep max. And it doesn't matter. Like, he's like, you shouldn't be doing the same weight that guy's doing because you're not that strong. You're not going to get gains trying to always be at 120% of what your one rep max is. You should be working off 70 or 80% of that. Um, but for years, I just kind of put that on the back burner. And I, when I was doing CrossFit, I was always trying to do things as RX. I was always trying to do, if not more, like wear a weight vest all the time. Like, oh, I need it. That, this is how I'm going to get stronger. And then when we started the Buttery Bros is really when I my fitness took like a backseat to like trying to make content and trying to be uh, – generating episodes regularly and always on the road doing this stuff. And we had to scale workouts just so that we could physically be able to move the next day. So we could also, you know, like we went from training with Rich Froning to Annie Thor's daughter to Sarah Sigmund's daughter in a matter of three to four days, all of them doing all of their workouts those days. And so to be able to keep up on those things, we had to scale. Otherwise we weren't be able, we weren't going to be able to make content with Annie or Sarah after working with Rich all day. And so Doing it there and then realizing like, oh, I'm actually getting better. I'm actually getting fitter when I scale the workouts to what's more appropriate for me. And I'm able to maintain my intensity throughout longer periods of time um, and longer training days. And and as a result, I feel like I've gotten fitter. I'm happier. And so I think it's been fun now to to like, yeah, we kind of poke fun and say, hey, yeah, we're scaling for life. 
but it's actually making us better athletes and better uh, performing and, and fitter overall. Uh, and making that concept cool and fun is, is kind of a big, big push for me lately is trying to make scaling something that isn't looked at as like, oh, you're doing this as a weaker version. Like, no, we're scaling right now because it doesn't matter right now. And when it matters, when we actually are doing a competition, we're going to be better as a result of it. Yeah, I love that mindset. And I think also just the the unique customization where it fits the mold and the life that you want to live is really special. And you hit the nail on the head, like making it cool. So people realize that it's not less than, it's just, it's the appropriate version. And it's clearly working. I mean, poking around on your Instagram, you hit a 327 back squat recently and a 426 deadlift. Like, that's not bad, man. You know, most people that are traveling as much as you guys and integrating as much time, energy, enthusiasm, lack of sleep since you're staying up editing and whatnot, most people disregard their fitness altogether. And, you know, that's kind of where I'd like to take the conversation next a little bit with you guys is as you're entering more of this entrepreneurial space, you're seeing, you know, you guys have merchandise, you have content creation, you have podium, you have your connection with rain energy, with blenders, eyewear, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, as your plate gets more full, how do you hold yourselves accountable to maintain a certain level of fitness so that way you can maintain the freedoms to continue to do all these cool things? I feel like it's more of just part of my lifestyle now. Like I, I look forward to working out. I like look forward to going on runs and on jogs and then just meeting up with the crew at the, at the CrossFit gym and, and kind of connecting and broing out, you know. So it's kind of just a byproduct of what we do. Um, if I wasn't doing that stuff, I feel like my mental health, my, you know, as well as my physical health would lack. Um, as I get more into this stuff, I find new things that I like to train and, uh, new programs. I'm kind of a program hopper. I hop on stuff and figure out what I like to use and leave what I don't. But, uh, I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, like, I like to train what I like to train, you know, and like everybody talks about train your weaknesses. And I'm like, I'm not going to do pistols. They're a weakness. They're going to stay that way, you know? So, uh, as far as like just doing this type of stuff, it's, it's a lot more of a lifestyle than like a chore or something that I feel like I have to do. Like it's, it's some of the, the best parts of my day. You guys have found a way to blend the line between work and play. And it's so cool to watch. Yeah. yeah I, I tell that to my son all the time. I'm like, Hey man, you could, whatever you want to do, you can do it. And it can be your job. You just have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And, and cause he was like, dad, all you do is play and work out for work. And I'm like, kind of, <laughs> that's what you see. But like, you also miss the hours that I'm on my laptop just downstairs in the basement editing. But I've, I've, I teach him like, I'm, I've worked really hard to get to a place where I can do things that I love um, and share that with other people as my job. And that's not something that a lot of other parents have. And, and he's all interested in it now. He's all, he's, he's all interested in what businesses we're, we're working on and what logos and designs we're working on. It's, it's fascinating to see. It's really cool, guys. I really appreciate you sharing that. Are you over 35 and in need of a solid training program? Are you looking to improve your athleticism and keep up with the younger athletes in your CrossFit gym? Then look no further than our Invictus Masters program. This program places year-round emphasis on mobility and stability exercises with movements that we have seen directly benefit our Masters athletes. 
Our program is led by Nicole DeHart and offers a training program designed specifically for master's athletes who are looking to compete at a higher level in the sport of CrossFit. Some of our top master's athletes in the world train with us, including CrossFit Games champion Kevin Kester, Matt Beals, and Pat Sprague. You can learn more about their stories and the Invictus Masters program by checking out their episodes right here on the Invictus Mindset Podcast. If you'd like more information about the current training cycle or to join the Invictus Masters program, please email Nicole at InvictusAthlete.com. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-E at InvictusAthlete.com.